From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show... A staff and roster without much championship pedigree, seemingly impervious to the pressure so far. Why is that? Do the Knowles have the best front four in the conference? Someone who would know thinks so. And Michael Langson talking recruiting. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Barn Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. Uh, you know that already. cptallybar.com, the website. You can always hit the QR code on your screen. It takes you right to the website. Lunch specials Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. But on Tuesdays, Bill, owner, patron of this show, we're a patron of his. Uh, it's like, hey, man, let's just, let's just run it all day long. Tacos for the people, chicken or beef, soft or hard shell. Soft tortilla, not soft shell. I mean, because you can't have a soft shell, it's, you know, right? It's like jumbo shrimp, right, Corey? You can't be a soft shell. Um, I think shells can be soft, right? I mean, like a baby turtle, you know? Yeah. Uh, it counts. Nonetheless, all day tacos at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill leading into the much fabled, the much ballyhooed, the much enjoyed, the much celebrated trivia night. 7 p.m. sharp at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Go check it out. And don't forget uh, our guy Grumpy BK, who seemingly replies to every post I put on the Tribal Council whenever I post a show, Corey, said that he'll be in the RV lot with his family but he's considering venturing to corner pocket as long as I show up. Mm. So this is this is my RSVP. This is my uh, admission. I will be there if you'll be there, Grumpy BK. So oh, sweet. It's like a match made. Man, there's there's some dudes, man, like Grumpy BK. There's some Smooth Knoll, I think, might be their name on Twitter. Danny Krantz, I think. There's some dudes that just constantly either like the tweet of our show every single time or – engage comment on the the thread we'll post on the board so it's like all right man I, you like the show it seems like so I'll, I'll come out and hang out i'll do what i can uh cory clark doing what he can to be here making himself available don't want to call it your jordan flu game but kind of close maybe for the next 20 30 minutes no it's just you know a little bit of stomach issues i'll be honest with you aslan i thought it was a hangover from uh saturday mm. when i was saturday i woke up not feeling great at all and i didn't feel like i got after it Friday night. Didn't, couldn't. It was a noon game, but mm. I just woke up feeling not great. I rallied, had a good Saturday for the most part, pretty good uh, Saturday night. Again, didn't go crazy, didn't drink. Uh, Sunday, didn't drink at all, felt pretty good. And then, uh, yeah, this morning, Monday morning, sorry, uh, woke up not feeling great again with the stomach. Just a little, some stomach issues. I'm fighting through it, but I'm here for you guys. Mm. But if I don't have the life in my voice that I normally do, that's why. All right, let's uh, let's talk. Let's do what we do on this show here, Corey. Monday's talking day when we hear from Coach Norvell and the coordinators. Uh, I guess I'll start off here with the head coach, obviously. Uh, seemingly, I need to stop using that word. That's like a crutch. Mm. It's, it's my new um. I need to stop doing that one as well. Man, he's respected every team they've played. Uh, he said the right things. I really do believe uh, he realizes that they have a, a – He's making it sound like they're 
realizing they've got a big challenge on Saturday night. We'll talk about it throughout the week. I don't think it's nearly as big of a challenge as maybe we're going to hype it up to be. Uh, but hey, man, it's a night game in Doak. They're a top 20 team. Let's get after it. Let's get lathered up. How did you like uh, the way Norvell addressed having to, to play a team that's undefeated and, and vying for you and jockeying alongside of you in this ACC this season? Uh, yeah, no, I, I liked it. I liked the, what he said. I, you know, you could tell, he, at least I thought, you know, I wasn't in the room. I had to stay away, so I was just uh, watching on uh, the internet and uh, still transcribing. Doing uh, it. I didn't count the words, Aslan, but I'm guessing. Uh, I didn't go crazy this time. I was like, you know what, guys, you're going to get what you get. I'm not directly quoting these guys for the next hour and a half. Daddy doesn't feel good. Um, but I like that uh, he seems genuinely excited about it. Like, yeah. just the whole week he seems excited by because of what he knows it's going to be Saturday night. Like, this is not a chump Duke team. This is a 15-point underdog, but they're one play, and he's right. They're one play, a fourth and 16 against Notre Dame from being undefeated. With wins over Clemson and Notre Dame. So not exactly, you know, uh, the, the sisters of the poor that they've beaten. But he really likes, it seems to me, Norvell seems genuinely excited about what, what that atmosphere will be like and how his team prepares for this game knowing that they're going to take Duke seriously. That's the vibe I got from him is, yeah, they're going to be a challenge. He said they were very well coached, which we know. Um, I think it's re it was really telling how excited he was about this moment for his team. Like almost like you guys get to show off now mm. kind of thing. I, I just – I was uh, – it was it was definitely, uh, to me, pretty enlightening how, how excited – because, it, look, man, Norvell hasn't gotten to do this a lot, right? When you think about it, two top-ranked teams, primetime doke, um, where you're favored, like you feel really good about your chances, like Notre Dame 2021. I mean, yeah, you you felt okay, but you know you, you were the underdog yeah. in your own stadium for that one. Yeah, he gets the whole um, the, the whole vocal the 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 voice of Doke will be on his side, which will be great. It's a night game. It's ABC. People will be watching. It's two top twenty teams. Um, I I just think. The, the fact that he gets to be in a moment like this, knowing what Doke is going to be like. No, it's not Miami in the 91 uh, or Florida in 99 or anything like that. It's not these game of the century type games. Um, it is Duke. But Duke is good and Duke can beat you. And Florida State is going to have – it's just going to be a remarkable atmosphere. We'll see how they handle it. But I think he's genuinely excited about this week because it feels like a big game. It's not Syracuse and Duke or sorry, Syracuse and Virginia Tech, where you just kind of try to have to, you want to play well and survive. This is a game where, you know, weirdly, because it's Duke, I hear myself saying it, um, you know, this is one of the biggest games of the year, and it's at your place. Uh, that's a, It's going to be It's going to be a cool, it's just cool for those kids and for him and his coaching staff to get to experience something like this. Like Odell, Odell's done it a million times, so he doesn't count. But all the other guys, it's going to be uh, one of the, because even Clemson last year, right, Aslan? Like you were you were on a two-game losing streak. Yeah. So it still wasn't the same. Uh, I just think this one is going to be unique to any game he's coached in before at Florida State. Hmm. By the way, you meant two thousand Florida uh, game. Why? Well, it was, it was in Tallahassee. Oh no, I just meant like. Uh, well, yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, right. Yeah, good point. There's there's, there's two people out there that are yelling. What are you oh, talking okay, about, Corey? Sorry, 99, sorry. Was in, 99 was yeah. in the swamp. What are you talking about? Just uh, cleaning up for that. What I, my, my train of thought there was I, I chose the game of the century, the 91 game, but I happened to choose the one of the ones they lost. Mm. So I just went to 99 Florida to pick a game they won. So I wasn't just choosing a game they lost. But they won 2,000 Florida. Correct. Well. Correct. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you weren't there, which was unfortunate because, you know, you throw fastballs yeah. high inside, makes the press conference a little bit more entertaining or more enlightening, rather, not entertaining. I try to be entertaining. You try to be enlightening with what you ask. But, you know, towards the end, I asked him about, I don't know, man. This is weird, maybe because my first time covering this team, being this highly ranked. You know, I, when I was in Mississippi in 14, and Ole Miss and Mississippi State were like on this collision course where it's like, man, the Egg Bowl might oh. decide who makes the playoff. Every weekend was so huge. You could feel the intensity. Like, even being in Jackson and being three hours from Oxford and three hours from Starkville, like, you could feel it just being in Jackson around all these fans. And I don't know if it's like me being just not emotionally invested in Florida State anymore, but like, I mean, they're number four team in the country. They're they're six and zero. You know, they're on a path to be in the playoff for the first time since 2014. All these things, but I don't know. I don't. This team to me does not feel like they feel any pressure from this, or kind of even realize what's at stake every single week they show up on the field. And maybe you know, a large part of that is that they haven't played great competition here the last two weeks. That changes this week. But I like when Norvell talked about like he meant when I asked him about. You know, your team is seemingly insulated from this. How are you? And nobody on this staff, Sands, Odell, has really been part of a team that's been in this position. They seem to be handling it well. I like how he pointed out, listen, it's it works out both ways. He's like, when you're not winning, it's the same kind of pressure as you feel now where you want to continue to stay on the winning track and keep stacking wins on top of each other. And I never thought about it that way because – yeah, this isn't like this has been the slow climb, right? They, they didn't go from middling around and being like a 7-8 win team. I mean, you go from winning three games year one, winning five games uh, in, in season two, to where like, you know, there's pressure on you to win in every single week. It's like if you don't win, people aren't necessarily calling for your, your job, but, you know, you feel that heat and that pressure. So maybe like in a weird roundabout way, they kind of are built for this. I mean, is, is there anything to that? Uh... They're built for handling pressure. Yeah, because they they had to handle the other side, the, the other pressure side of this, where it's like when you constantly lose and your back is against the wall every single week, and you know you're going to get oh, on yeah. social media, and you know you're not going to get any love from the national media, and you see Dabo Sweeney doing victory laps and making you a punchline, like you're defending against that kind of pressure, which is a different pressure, but it's still you feel it. There's that same weight. Yeah, man, I, I would hope. I, I really do. It's a, it's a good point, and I would. Ho- I might even write about that this week or uh, after the Duke game if they if they win that one. You're welcome. They, you say, good job. But that uh, that I do hope, and I've mentioned this before, that they just more than uh, more than get nervous about it. Which you you should always be a little nervous before a football game. That's you know that's the that's sports. That's life. But the the weight of the pressure of the expectations. You really hope that doesn't. Um, I just don't feel like they would succumb to that. I don't I, either. Why, why is that? That's but a crazy I think it's thing. because this is this is unlike any top five Florida State team we've ever had, we've ever covered, ever talked about, ever watched. I, it just is. Again, I'll keep bringing it up. You know, obviously from '87 to to 2001, uh, the, they had guys that were parade all Americans all over the roster, and they went. All those guys went to Florida State expecting to play for national championships and win national championships and go to the NFL. This crew ain't that. This is a crew of Tatum Bethune at UCF, Kalen Deloach, who's a fifth-year guy, Dennis Briggs, who's a fifth-year guy. Uh, Again, Jared Verse from Albany, Uh, Trey Benson from Oregon, they didn't want him. Johnny Wilson of Arizona State, they didn't want him. Keon Coleman, his home state school, Louisiana LSU, didn't want him twice. Jordan Travis wasn't wanted not only by 
Maybe Petrino wanted him. I don't know. Petrino got ousted <laughs> there. But he wasn't wanted by Louisville, and he wasn't wanted by Willie Taggart um, when he got to Florida State. So all these guys have chips on their shoulders, which I think, I hope, because their journeys are so unique. They are not the Johnny Schoolboy All-Americans that all go to Georgia and Alabama, which is like, yeah, where, where you would feel pressure. Like, golly, I hope, we don't, I hope we're not the worst Alabama team of the last decade and actually lose twice this year. That would be embarrassing. Or now Georgia, now that they've lost Brock Bowers. Oh, man, I hope we don't – I hope that didn't screw up our chances to three-peat. They can play a little tight because they're expected to be great. Nobody on this football team was expected to be great. Now, it looks like it could be a great team, but who of these players, save for what, Hakeem Williams? Like Hakeem Dent, does that count? A five-star from half a decade ago? Like, that team wasn't great, though, at Palm Beach Gardens, yeah. No, but I'm saying he was he was Central, a five-star recruit. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So they don't have many of those right now, anyway, that are making an impact. So I, I think that could be – I actually think that could work for them. Like, isn't this cool? Like, having the attitude, man, isn't this cool that we were kind of the no-name, under-the-radar dudes at whatever school we used to be at, or even when we chose Florida State, like Marquise and Douglas, I don't know who else was recruiting them. I could promise you it wasn't Ohio State. Morlock is from Shorter College. Anybody here ever know where Shorter College is? Stand up. Stand up I shorter. do because I'm from Georgia, but I, know, I understand why y'all don't. <laughs> um, and, and now they're, Jeremiah Byers, UTEP. Casey Roddick on a horrible Colorado team. I don't think he was in the in the assembly. I don't think he was in the room when Dion came out and told him that he he had better luggage coming. I think Roddick had already left by then. Yeah. But that was the team he had been on. Was that awful Colorado team? So I hope they're kind of looking at it like, man, this is awesome. Why not us? This is fun. Nobody expected this. Let's just enjoy it. And let's be in the moment, which is what Norbell talked about, that they do a really good job of being in the moment. Um, and, and I, you know, I, it kind of reminds me of the Braves. I always bring it back to the Braves. I don't know if you know this, Aslan, but uh, the Braves aren't playing anymore in this postseason. Are they so going to fix relive. it? Will they fix the postseason, Corey? Was this, a, was this enough? Yes, they will. I, I do think they'll, they're will they either going to make that five-game series all home games for the higher-seeded team, Ooh. or they'll make it a seven-game series. Or the Braves can get a uh, automatic berth in the World Series. Right. How about that? If you have yeah. the if you have the two best records in the league, you just go to the World Series. I'm with like it, it's yeah. the fifties. Yeah, forget about um, it. By the way, that's how the Yankees won every year, folks. They never had to deal with the playoffs in the fifties. Really? They just went yeah, straight yeah, to the World no, Series. No, the playoffs didn't start. I don't think until 1969. Huh. So it was always just if you had the best record in the National League at the end of the season, you played the team with the best record in the American League. That was the that There's was the no div- no divisions, just like there was just yeah. leagues. Yep. Huh. Yep. And then 1969 with the Mays and Mets, I actually beat the Braves in the first uh, division series. But that Braves team from two years ago, where Jock Peterson wrote that, uh, he wrote I can't remember what it's called the Players Journal. Maybe is that a thing? Players Tribune. Players Tribune. Okay, he wrote a he wrote a piece in there. Where he was like, you know, we we hear all the time about the Braves curse, and that, um, you know, we always choke in October. Well, we might just be the MFers that don't. Mm. We might just be those MFers. And he, you know, he didn't say MFers; he said the actual word, and that became a rallying cry. Because again, Eddie Rosario kind of got him off the trash heap. Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, they all made all these trades for like these journeymen. And they came together. They got in October. They didn't feel pressure. They're like, well, man, we're not. We won 88 games. We're not even supposed to be here. We're certainly not supposed to be beat the big bad giant or Dodgers, and then the Astros. And they did it both times. And maybe that's what Florida State is doing, and that's why they won't succumb. Like they might, they can get beat just because they get beat. 
They don't play well. But I don't think it'll be because they're too tight. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. No, I agree with you. And, and, you know, some people might be saying, well, hey, listen, Aslan, they, they just beat, you know, the teams that they've had game pressure against, Boston College, I guess Virginia Tech to a certain degree, those aren't highly skilled, laden with talent teams. And it's like, I get it. But also, listen, you're down and a half against LSU. Plenty of football yeah. left ahead of you, but, you know, you could have maybe had some doubt creep into you, like maybe we're not as good as we think we are or, uh, you know, things of that nature. The game against LSU last year, uh, to squander that one away and, and be on the cusp of having to go into overtime and not having really any momentum on your side, you know, they've, they've been in those situations uh, where there has been game pressure on them and they've been given reasons to kind of maybe fold, uh, and they haven't. So I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand, maybe with some of the reason that they're able to handle this pressure uh, quite well because yeah, I don't even know when like the national spotlight would really even turn up on them either because – you know, after this, especially after they make it past this Duke game, which is at home, Riley Leonard, according to Mike Elko on Monday, is day to day, which I, you know, I don't even know even if he does play what sort of percentage he's at. But yeah, we should talk about that real quick because Norvell was t- asked about it, and so was Adam Fuller on Monday, and they both said you got to prepare as if he's going to play. Yeah. But what I thought was interesting was when Fuller was talking about um, Riley Leonard. Uh, number one, I'm not sure that he knew the backup quarterback's name. So he kept saying the other guy. But also, um, you know, he talked about, you know, you look at that Notre Dame game. Anytime they needed a big play made, he made it. And then he added with his feet. Hmm. And then he said, we'll see what that looks like on Saturday. Meaning, even if Riley Leonard's playing, he won't be that Riley Leonard. They can they can turn a third and eight into a 12-yard gain and extend a drive. Just because, it, you know, if he if he couldn't play last week, He's not going to be healthy enough for – you wouldn't think. I guess things happen. You wouldn't think he'd be healthy enough um, for his legs to be a big factor. Yeah, and if his full complement of him, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, if, and if his legs aren't a big factor, then that, that whittles down his effectiveness considerably because he can get it outside the pocket. He throws really well on the run. He can make all the throws, but his athleticism is such a big deal. And even if he's if he's slowed at all and not that guy, um, yeah, that's a that's a huge deal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Duke does, but you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I guess you'd rather play the backup, but if Riley Leonard can't move, that completely changes what Duke does offensively. And they're not a great offense either way. Right. They make their bones on defense. But anyway, I just thought that was interesting that, you know, Norvell and Fuller both said you have to prepare for the other guy. Um, just, you know, just in case you prepare for both and you have a game plan for both. Yeah. Henry Beeline. I think okay. is, is, is how you pronounce uh, his name, so we don't call him the other guy as well here on the show. We know uh, we know his name. I just can't pronounce it. That's why. What do you do in that game? Do you have his numbers? Man, he's like four of twelve. Yeah, I know he was four eleven in the first half. He did hit a long touchdown pass. I think. Yeah. I mean, they only threw one pass in, yeah, the, in the second, second half, half. So, yeah. yep, uh, that's how it works out. But he just threw to, a pick. He threw a pick on like their first series too. Yeah, and that's what led to the only points that uh, North Carolina State had. But he was four of twelve for one oh seven, two touchdowns and a pick. Did he run? Uh, let's see here. His game log. He ran uh, five times for twenty-eight yards, but okay. he had a he had a long of twenty-six. Okay. All right. Okay. So, otherwise, not all that uh, accomplished. Handed it off a lot. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tune in on tomorrow's show. We'll have uh, Stephen Wiseman uh, from the Durham Herald, mm. I think, uh, helping us break down what's going on there with Duke. Yeah, so to finish that thought, I just think, you know, if they get past this one and, you know, I think Clemson probably beats Miami this coming weekend, 
I don't. The national spotlight's not going to be on Florida State. Like that Miami game will not be a primetime game. Probably uh, you know, that Florida game outside chance if Florida keeps winning. But you know they've you know, Georgia's going to probably cave their head in uh, later on this month. So you know I think they'll almost be able to kind of skate by until they get into that game in December in Charlotte. So it's it is a really kind of interesting situation they are in. It's, it's uh, pretty pretty cool. Well, I, I would I would push back that on that a little bit. I, I don't think that happens anymore. I, I don't think you can just assume, even if you're going to be favored by in every game, which Florida State will be, I, I, they're not going to skate. Um, there will be some tough moments. They will be in games in the fourth quarter. Well, from like the, uh, I mean, like the scrutiny and the spotlight. Oh, like the, I see what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, I gotcha. yeah. Listen, I get you. You've said. Well, it. I think Florida State Miami will still bring eyeballs. Especially if Miami can not fall off a cliff, right. like they can beat Clemson, man. Yeah, I'm not expecting it either, but I'm judging them on Miami teams of the past. Mm. But they can beat Clemson, and they have enough talent to beat Florida State. But if they come into that game uh, seven and two, and Florida State's nine and zero, oh, well, they'll be they'll be ranked ish, and there'll be a lot of eyeballs on that game, um, and there will be some scrutiny there. Uh, so that that that, and it's just Florida State Miami in general. So and they never beat the bejesus out of Miami uh, at Doak. Those, they save those always for Doak South. They, they don't, every time they play Miami and Doak, it's always a close game. So I would assume nothing less this time. And then, um, you know, Florida, same thing. You, that's that there, there will be a, a lot of eyeballs on that. And there will be eyeballs on that Aslan. If Florida state is 11 and zero, and Florida is six and five or seven and four, the country's still going to be watching it to see if Florida state gets knocked out of the, race yeah, let some other team sneak in there that's all yeah so they'll six, they'll be you know. watching it just like some of you people back in the day watched uh i don't know tcu have to win a game or lose a game or what i can't remember who was in the involved in 2014 yeah it was tcu it was, baylor yeah. yeah that's right like you would watch that game and and so i think starting with if they get through duke and you know i again i know you can't assume wins at wake but if you take care of business the next uh, what, three weeks, yeah. where you'll be double-digit favorites in all of them. Um, then that game against Miami, you get some real scrutiny, and same with Florida, because people are waiting for you to lose. They're watching to see if you lose because it has the implications it has on the rest of the on the rest of the uh, country. And that will be when you really know how this team handles pressure. Like, it's still the middle of the season, right? Yeah, technically. Like, when you get close to Miami and you're like, man, we're – we're, it's November, yeah. We're two wins away from an undefeated season, or three wins away from under. Well, two because one of them's North Alabama. If we beat if we beat Miami and Florida, we're going to be twelve and zero. Yeah. Then you'll see if that if if the thing I was celebrating about how they should be carefree and loose, why not us? If that stays, or if they face the real pressure there. But I I think I just think I, I like the mindset of this team to handle it well. I lied, everybody, the other day. I apologize. I said that I was going to have my uh, vitamin energy workout plus. Um, a little cold outside. Uh, I took the immune plus instead. I uh, just figured, Corey, I needed to audible hot route and, mm. um, you know, give myself the peace of mind that not only was I getting 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine for energy to get me through my day, and I drank the whole bottle this time. I didn't even do the half shot. I did the whole entire bottle because it tastes so good once it hits your lips, man. Uh, also, like, all right, man, I don't need to, you know, pop emergency i don't have to have three more oranges with my breakfast i'm just going to take the vitamin energy because it's energy with benefits the immune plus gives a shot of vitamin c to your immune system the workout plus uh, fuels you even more in the gym with such additives like arginine beta alanine all these things 
in one little two-ounce bottle. You can take it wherever you go. Leave some in the uh, console of the car, maybe some in the gym bag, some in the top drawer of the desk where you put the good stuff. Mm. Go to vitaminenergy.com. Promo code is WordChampBogo, WordChamp, B-O-G-O. That means you buy one, you get one free when you use that promo code, courtesy of the Florida State alums pulling the strings over at vitaminenergy.com. So help some Knowles out. Make your day better. Get better on your focus. Get rid of that brain fog. Feel good. It's clinically proven, everybody, for real. Like, it's legitimately clinically proven. It says so on the bottle. I have the abstract in front of me. VitaminEnergy.com. Shake it and take it. Use that promo code WordChampBogo. WordChamp, B-O-G-O. Corey, we mentioned Clemson earlier in the program. Uh, Mike Elko said on Monday he thinks that Florida State's got the best front four that Duke has seen since they arrived uh, in Durham, this staff. So they played 20, sub, 20 or so games. Um, what do you think about that one? Because you showed a lot of respect to Clemson's defense, namely that front four, maybe the front seven because of that linebacking core. Um, you know, John Papucha said it on Monday as well. He, he likes where they're at defensive end in terms of what Byron Turner and Gilbert Edmond are doing. He said that, you know, Gilbert's bringing the – or not Gilbert, but Byron's bringing, you know, energy and disruption, uh, very similar to the effort he would play with on special teams – uh, into the reps that he gets uh, at the the defensive end spot. Is Florida State's defensive front four, or is that the best front four in the conference, you think? Or you still got Clemson uh, sort of envy to a certain degree because of what they just no, done I, for so long? I think the front four is right on par with Clemson, uh, especially because the bodies they can rotate in there. Um, and I mean, the like, look, obviously not everybody. Clemson doesn't have a Jared Burst. Um, Florida State doesn't have those linebackers. And I think that's the difference between the two. I, I would say Florida State, in my opinion, probably has a better front four, but not a better front seven. Because as you said, they have two, like, I think early round picks at linebacker um, that are just great football players that Florida State doesn't have there. They have fine linebackers, but not anything like Trotter. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I don't think he's just saying that to say it. I think uh, the combo of Fabian, look, who I looked up, he played 19 plays on, on Saturday. Mm. He's ready so, for November. He's ready for December, man. He's I'm telling you, Inverse, I think, played uh, maybe 38. I mean, they are really keeping uh, those those uh, those numbers low because there will be a game in the fourth quarter when they need them, and they're going to need – like, if, if you're up 24 to 21 with two minutes to go, it won't be Byron Turner and Gilbert Edmond on the field. You know, it'll be 5 and 11. So it's good that they've gotten them rest when they can. But there will be a couple of times, maybe starting with – and I think that's probably what he means is that Florida State at its best when it has its four – well, I'd say five if you count the three defensive tackles and then Peyton and Verse. Those are their five best linemen. If they're rotating in just uh, sparingly, that's that's as good as that's as good as there is in the conference, yeah. I think – I mean, there's a chance all five are NFL players. Farmer, Fisk, Lovett, Verse, and Peyton. Yeah. You wouldn't I be surprised if yeah. all five of them – end up on NFL roster someday no, absolutely not no who do you think they they had 68 reps uh, 68 snaps Syracuse's offense and then Florida State's defense what do you think was the most snaps played by one Florida State defensive player 47 41 mm. Fentrell and Renardo okay all right so yeah, Tafasi got some burn. I didn't realize that. Somebody sent me a DM on Warchain. Like, hey, man, like, uh, I, didn't see I didn't realize Tafasi was in the mix. I'm like, how did I? I saw it on PFF on Monday when I was looking through the stats. So uh, injury stuff. Uh, that's maybe buried the lead a little bit there, Corey. It feels like they're going to be pretty close to full strength. Bless Harris. Yeah. Uh, was really close last weekend, Norvell said. And, you know, 
thinks he'll be ready to go. Said he could have played in an emergency, right? Yeah. yeah. And that he was really close, but they held him out another week, but he definitely expects him to be back this week. And then Johnny Wilson made significant – maybe I will say significant, but he made great progress, I think might have been the uh, adjective. He was great progress over the weekend, and they expect to have him ready to practice. So, if, I mean, if he practices, I – I can't imagine he would not play. I thought he said he practiced on Sunday. Okay. You know, when they do their kind of uh, – We've never gotten to watch one of those Sunday practices. Yeah, Sunday's so a walkthrough. Sunday's a walkthrough. Yeah. Yeah. But he was he was involved. And some of it's not a walkthrough because some of it's with the, the younger guys trying to get them real live reps. Um, so he did say he had reps on Sunday and that uh, he expects him to – it sounded like he expects him to practice the whole week. Which, again, that's – that's uh, pretty important when you're facing a defense as good as the one you're facing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. You see, like, Keon is able to fill in when, when Johnny's out. I mean, I guess with Duke's secondary, you obviously want to be at full strength. I mean, does it – if they didn't have Johnny available, would it affect your confidence level at all with uh, Florida State's ability to, to match up and, and move the ball against Duke? Yeah, because I think Duke, Duke is so well coached, they're going to take some things away that you don't expect to be taken away. They're going to confuse Travis on a couple of plays where he looks, he thinks he's going to have a read open at the snap that is not open then. And that's going to happen multiple times a game. It probably does against every defense. But against this defense especially, they're really good. Um, you know, just listening the way Atkins and Norvell talked, uh, they're really good about recognizing what they're supposed to be doing and playing very fast and smart, um, which I know. I get it. It's Duke. I'd be weird if they did. they weren't smart. But um, – so they're always kind of in the right place, and they do a good job, I think, of disguising and trying to confuse quarterbacks. So if Jordan Travis is confused a little bit, well, you still got the old, uh, the ultimate uh, safety valve. You can just throw it up, and I do think that that come, when you're playing, when you get into tight moments, or you're playing good defenses, and you're not trusting your eyes necessarily, or they're doing a good job of taking away the stuff you want to throw, it's always good to have a 14 and a four on your side that can just go make NFL plays, even if they're not wide open, even if they're not your first read. So yeah, I think, I think that absolutely helps to have, uh, to have, I mean, that's, yes, that's a a rhetorical. Yes. It it absolutely helps to have Johnny Wilson back. And I do think um, that's not great news for Duke. I think I was confident either way. Certainly wouldn't say Johnny rest up an extra week if you're ready to go by all means let's let's right that's what I mean you would not hold him for this game yeah you you need you need a lot of your you need all your weapons to move the ball against this team uh, consistently what did you think about Atkins's response I guess when asked about you know or maybe I think Norvell was asked about you know the difference when they have certain guys in on the offensive line because they do want to rotate they want to have those eight guys ready do you think they really want to continue to go with eight to, to be ready, to be fresh, to be healthy in November and, and December possibly? Or do you think maybe now they're getting kind of a better picture of who are the best five and, and who does what best and maybe they shorten that rotation? Do you think this is something that they're they're fully invested in and they're going to continue to, to roll with it as the season progresses? No, I think they're going to continue to roll with it. Now, we don't know about Darius and his health. Um you know, you know, he didn't play the second half of that game, I guess. And, the, you know, Norvell said they'll see. He'll progress throughout the week. But uh, he goes down maybe just in time for Bless Harris to be back, um, which is good. So, But then you wonder, like, what's it going to look like? So uh, is Bless Harris going to alternate with Jeremiah Byers on the right? Is Bless Harris going to play more for Robert Scott uh, at left? Uh, what Are they still going to do? Like, that's they, they might have instead of eight for five, they'll have seven for five. 
but yeah, I, I do think that they, um, you know, what Norvell said, I think it was Norvell, maybe it was Atkins. It wasn't, uh, he was like, we're just getting these guys to play. We're letting these guys play. It doesn't have to do with one person does something else better than this person. Um, and I, and I think that, I guess that's the, the truth. And, and, um, I, I, I guess I don't know the rhyme or reason as to when they put in a player, but I do think that, um, they like the results. They like having these kind of options because look, sometimes maybe Robert Scott just can't block Duke's defensive end. Just can't block him. He's having a bad day. He feels, he doesn't feel great. Whatever. He feels sluggish. He is sluggish. It is good to have a guy that you can count on that you can just send in. You don't have to just wear it and be like, well, I guess we're just going to have to live with Robert Scott, not being able to block this guy. Um, and I'm not I'm sorry. I'm putting that out there. Yeah. Robert. Why put Robert, man? Why My fault. Robert, man? I was just using you as an example. I know you'll be able to block him. So I do think that uh, it's just, it's reassuring to know you have capable bodies if guys aren't getting it done. And don't you think it makes you, wouldn't it make you play better knowing if you screw up a couple of plays, you're coming out? Because there's a guy yeah. that can actually replace you? Yeah, like I don't want to lose grip of this app. So yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Very good point. Very good point. Um, there's one other thing on the mind here. I meant to ask this. I should have asked this instead of the question I did ask Norvell. If I don't get it in later today, I'll ask him on Wednesday. Worth asking him about Daryl Jackson, you think, uh, Corey? I mean, I know we, we heard from him, and he said that once the semester is over, which yeah. would be post-ACC championship weekend, uh, bold season, playoff season, he would be eligible. Uh, but that was before Tez Walker and the new evidence yeah. came out. Probably worth asking him. I mean, it's, it's a big game weekend. I should have asked him on a Monday. Maybe should have even asked him last weekend when they're getting prepared for Syracuse. But worth asking, worth uh, popping off a question to the coach about that this week, you think? I mean, you can. I think we know the answer, though, that the, if anything had changed, they would let us know very quickly. Um, so it would just be more about him being frustrated with, with the process. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the fact that what's his, uh, Walker at UNC had three touchdowns, um, yeah. you know, that was you know that it shows why they wanted him so badly. And, and maybe you could do it with that as the, the context. It's like, look, you all saw – we all saw why Mike Brown wanted uh, Walker available, <laughs> eligible. Um, you know, I guess, you know, what would Daryl Jackson mean if he could be eligible? But I, I just don't think he can be, or they would have done it by now. That was two weeks ago. So, yeah, I don't know, buddy. I don't know. Ask him about uh, Riley Leonard. Okay, we'll do so. Or Krzyzewski. They're playing Duke. Ask him what any lessons he can learn from Coach K or if he listens to uh, Basketball and Beyond. Okay. The Coach K podcast. Do you think it was coincidental that Carmelo was in town with his son and Lala uh, during the Syracuse game weekend? No. I don't. Okay. Don't think – It'd be great if Carmelo's kid signed at Florida State. I, I do think there was a reason he was here for the uh, the Florida State-Syracuse uh, game. But Burt Kreischer was at the game, too. Mm. Uh, so And they showed him. I don't even know if you were up in the booth in the press box yeah, yet. You, do you know how much B-roll I got of him shown on the Jumbotron? Because I knew you or, you or Ira was going to mention it on the Vitamin Energy War Chant rap. You guys made no reference to it. I know. Completely forgot. But what I was So it looked like. We were going to have a Taylor Swift afternoon where literally they were going to show him 55 times. They must have shown him eight times in the span of five minutes. Less than um, that. And then man. never again. I don't even know if he stayed for the game. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, – and I was telling Ira, like, Burt Kreischer, if you don't know, is a uh, he's the guy that was the basis for Van Wilder. 
um, the movie. He went here from 93 to 90. Or no, they showed it on the screen 91 to 97. Oof, he was like strong. the ultimate crazy party animal kid. His, his whole career started because Rolling Stone wrote an article about him. He was the biggest partier at the biggest party school in America. And they wrote a story about him. And it turned into a movie. It's a really cool story. Y'all should go back and try to find it in the archives. Um, and now he's a he's a essentially, not essentially, he's a world-famous comedian and podcaster. And a Florida State grad. And he has a ton of money. So I feel like that's why Michael Offord was uh, walking him around for 30 minutes mm. on the sideline. It's like, hey, Bert, you could uh, – Get your name on something here. Yeah. We need a couple of linemen. <laughs> we might need a new quarterback for next year. We like what we got, but we're not sure. We're going to need another Keon Coleman, uh, maybe another Jared Burr. So, you know, sh- help out your football program. Mm. Let's try to help you out this week. Let's uh, see if we can get you some winners. These are unofficial picks. These don't go against the season-long competition that Corey and I are in the midst of. It's all over at mybookie.ag, promo code WORDCHANT. Instant cash deposit bonus when you sign up for the first time over at mybookie.ag. We are blessed, Corey. We are now in that part of the calendar where we get football, I think, every single day from now until like December 6th or something maybe, something bizarre like that. Three games tonight. Middle Tennessee, I think still led by former Noel Rick Stockstill, if I'm not mistaken. You'd hope, yeah. Yeah. Um, catching 14 and a half on the road at Liberty. Hmm. Liberty's been looking strong and quite strong, but maybe not Hugh Freeze strong. Um, it's a lot of points, man. Um, the total is 55 and a half. Uh, Liberty has not been as explosive as they were previously. You got Western Kentucky at Jacksonville State. Their offensive line spearheaded by none other than Rick Trickett. Okay. Rich Ra, the head football coach uh, for Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State is uh, getting seven at home against Western Kentucky. Total is 60. And then Southern Miss at South Alabama. Southern Miss getting 17 and a half in Mobile. Against yeah. USA, the Jags. Uh, yeah, that program is that team is uh, falling off a cliff. Uh, so they're seventeen point underdogs to South Alabama. Seventeen and a half. Yeah. Yikes. You know what? I think that I think the Golden Eagles are going to rally. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they're going to they're going to only lose by fourteen. Okay. Um, Jacksonville State at home getting seven. Like that's like a, is that a general principle game where? They know something we don't know, so we have to be all over Western Kentucky. Buddy, or? I can tell you when we're talking about Western Kentucky and Jacksonville State, they know everything that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about either one of them. I uh, forgot that Trickett was even coaching at Jacksonville State. Yeah, he's back, man. He's back. Um, Lean into that one. Western Kentucky okay. minus seven uh, nice. on the road. That's a crazy one. And then Liberty Middle Tennessee State. Let's just go over on the 55 and a half. Let's have fun out there, kids. Uh, but let's be responsible about it. Use that promo code WordChant over at mybookie.ag where you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Michael Langson, talking recruiting, coming up right after this. As advertised, Michael Langson here on Wake Up WordChant to talk recruiting. Also, a standalone video on our YouTube channel. So you could have listened to this. Hopefully, if it works out. You could have heard it before on the Wake Up WordChant podcast, which you should subscribe to. Uh, if not, Welcome to YouTube. Here it is. Michael, how are you, man? It's been a minute since we've hung out. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, so we're finally starting to get some, you know, meaningful home games. And certainly, uh, you know, you saw that with, you know, last few weekends as far as hosting visitors. And, you know, now, you know, we got a big one. You know, you got 
the next two big week, home week, weekends, there's going to be a uh, you know a lot of uh, you know top prospects, uh, and and FSU's just rolling. I mean, they just got it rolling. They they've done everything. I think they wanted to do to to get to this point. Now, um, you know, now they get the go maybe take a step further with uh, these recruits and in their season and really just uh, take a big jump. Six and zero, ranked top twenty team comes to town primetime game. I don't know if we're at the point where this might be a bigger weekend for visitors than the Miami game, which is Miami's fault, not Florida State's fault. So figure it out down there in Coral Gables. But before we talk about this coming weekend, uh, Michael, let's reflect maybe on last week. I know it was a, maybe a smaller contingent of future classes down the line, uh, but who were some of the big names that were on campus for the Syracuse game? and What sort of progress did Florida State make for uh, those players in the maybe the 25 class? Yeah, I think there was a, a handful of uh, 2025 guys that were really good, but the guy that, that I got circled that we found out late that visited was four-star defensive tackle Artavius Jones. He's a Miami commit. Um, ironically, uh, you know, the Miami came coming up, but um, he's a guy that, you know, I think there, this was one that I felt like the needle was being moved, um, where uh, he was much more interactive with FSU fans afterwards, even chopping it up and, you know, doing, taking pictures. And, and uh, you could tell like uh, there was a different in, uh, excitement level, you know, the way he thought about FSU. And I, I really think, um, I think the momentum is, is pretty strong uh, with FSU. I think a, a flip is, is very possible, even to the point I'd say uh, likely um, based on how things are trending to one with, Miami, but also just what the FSU defense line looks like, the product looks like on the field. Uh, this is a perfect game for him to visit because it was really dominated by the defense as far as uh, you know what they did in, in the game. And I think I think the fact that they're not far away from home is, is certainly an attractive thing. But I think also what the way he feels about Odo Higgins is a big deal um, throughout this process. Why he's kept visiting, it's why he's been here a few times in the spring and then, you know, come for this game and he's coming next week for the, the Duke game. And I think that's a, if, if that happens, I think I was kind of close to maybe saying, Hey, it's going to likely going to be FSU. But I think if he does visit, I think I would lean towards the, Hey, this is going to happen for FSU and it's looks likely. So I think some big momentum, uh, you know, building there for FSU with, with Artavius Jones and, and kind of what they're doing on the field. Artavis Jones, 6'2", 285 out of Blount, uh, Blountstown, rather, uh, four-star consensus guy. I, I don't want you to put, like, a specific date on him, Michael, but if he were to flip, do you think it would come after, like, soon after a visit, or would it be one of those things where when it comes to signing day on December at that point, he would then, you know, kind of flip? Yeah, there's no indication that it's imminent, like, right away, but, I mean, it could come – it could certainly come at any time. And, like, if he visits again and you get a big win and he just feels like, hey, this is everything I need, then – I could see pop, but I haven't heard anything that you know leads me to believe like, hey, it's going to be imminent. But I do think you know he might take it around and let the process go. But I think things are trending the right way that there's not a timetable, so it could pop. Or either way, th- this thing's feeling like um, you know outside of something surprising happening or Miami turning around the season or something. I think um, it's starting to trend you know, in a positive direction for FSU. I just don't know a timetable on it, but um, I would just say it could come at any time, just really when he feels right. Well, one of the big headlines from last week, Michael, uh, the, that vaunted, coveted fifth star given to Luke Cromanhawk, uh, yeah. some might say of that 
24 class, but when you got KJ Bolden, Charles Lester, it's really hard to identify who's the biggest name on there. But what does it mean to Florida State's class to be able to? Does it matter to other recruits when, you know, obviously Luke's film speaks for itself and the programs that are interested in him, but when he gets like that fifth star, is that is that most just for the fans to feel good about it, or is that something that can help out Florida State's chances recruiting other players? I, I think it's more so for the fans uh, that, like, I think a lot of people viewed Luke as like a five-star talent anyway, you know, just from a recruit standpoint. They all, he's very well-liked. There's a lot of guys that know what, what his talent is. He's played you know, teams both in Georgia, Alabama, and even, you know, some in, in Florida. So I think most of them thought like, hey, this is a guy that, you know, we feel is the one of the top players in the country. And, and it's good to see Luke, um, you know, get, you know, what he deserved uh, since he's been there. And it also speak. I think it speaks more to their evaluation of what they do when they evaluate guys that FSU was on him early when he was just a three-star, when he was just a guy that, you know, look good. You have some stuff you could work with, but then, um, you know, the last two years, uh, his his development as a quarterback is just, you know, taken to another level. And FSU saw some things early that just felt like the fit was, uh, you know, perfect for FSU. And then they took a chance and they said, hey, this is our guy. And there was a lot of guys that were already rated four and five stars that they could have went after. And Luke was the guy that they just kind of circled and said, hey, this is our guy and uh, just really uh, build off that. And I think a lot of recruits see that their eyes for talent early, as far as how good a guy is and, and how they mesh into the, the system, what FSU's doing. And I think it, that alone, I think is the biggest takeaway of their evaluation of talent of, of guys that can come in there and help them that are really talented and, and not just focus on just the stars at that moment. So I think uh, recruits realize just, what they do with evaluations. And I think uh, certainly it certainly brings more buzz when you have, you know, a five-star you know, type quarterback. But I think overall, I think it's more about the evaluation of, of the player in general. All right, Michael, let's look ahead, I guess, to this upcoming weekend here at Florida State hosting Duke. It'll be a top 20 matchup in Dope Campbell Stadium, primetime, ABC 730. Uh, I don't know if we thought, like, you know, going to the season, there was potential that maybe Duke would be kind of a, a sneaky good team. But I don't know if we would expect a lot of, a blue chip kids to descend into Tallahassee for this game. I know you'll be working on a, a visitors list uh, throughout the week over on the PRB, but what are some of the early buzz? Uh, so maybe the possible names that'll be on campus for this game. You think? Yeah, it's going to be a big game. I mean, um, we, I had this kind of, I had to, I had to juggle. I did a top three list during the season. LSU was the first one. And then I put uh, Virginia tech in there because you felt like Virginia tech was going to be decent and it was going to be a you know game that's around that time, and I knew L.J. McRae was visiting, you know, around that weekend. So you felt like that probably could be the weekend. But then we we saw as we saw Duke get you know have a good season and, and start building. You kind of knew one of those games was going to be a night game, and it turned out it's going to be the Duke game, and um, it's going to be a massive. Uh, I think a, a a very strong group, not as strong as the Miami group, because the uh, the Miami visit weekend is going to be kind of like. <laughs> the pinnacle of everything. I mean, you're gonna you're talking about double digit, probably five star prospects that'll be on campus for that game alone. Um, there's gonna be tons of guys for that game. You know, Jeremiah Smith, Armando Blunt. You know, loads of five stars probably for that Miami game. So nothing will beat the Miami game. But I think this this weekend will will compete pretty strongly because I, I think it's a night game. It's a ranked opponent. You're going to see a lot of a lot of guys in there. I think um, certainly last weekend you had Alvin Henderson, the top 20, 20, 25 guy. 
have a story on the front page. FSU's very high on his list, um, so people can check that out. I think they're very much in, in the picture. Um, Kevin Wynn, four-star 2025 defensive tackle. FSU leads early on for that one. I think they're really good shape for that one. And then they also hosted a 2026 four-star quarterback, Jared Curtis, who I've heard they feel really good about, you know, kind of where they sit. So, but going into this weekend, um, you're going to see big name already talked about. Artavius Jones is going to be there. Um, we'll have a, a extensive list of, of coming up, but there's a, there's a lot of targets I'm just waiting on confirmation from, but I would, I would think that you have around three or four or five stars on this campus uh, this weekend. Um, I want to wait until I get the names. I don't want to just start throwing out people, but um, I think it's going to be a very heavily attended, uh, you know, type of game. I'm talking around 70 prospects. I think you should have around there and uh, some to beat some, some really big names. And uh, one name I, I have heard floated around to me, you know, the last two weeks is, potentially Jordan Seaton, five-star offensive tackle coming in for a visit to check out the Knowles. This is kind of the weekend I've heard, you know, floated around um, there. They were working out details of that exact weekend. I think that's a guy I'm, I'm certainly, uh, you know, keep an eye on that, that could be here uh, this weekend. Um, I think you could, you could see some others in there like, you know, Jamari Howard that, you know, possibly comes down and, and checks out the Knowles um, for for a game since it's a night game. Um, but I think a four-star DB from Miami, Norland that I feel like FSU is in a very good spot with. Um, so those are kind of a few off the top of my head. Naturally, you're going to have a lot of top commitments here. Luke will be here. Cam uh, very much likely will be here. I expect Landon Thomas to be here. Charles Lester. Uh, even K.J. Bolden has expected that he's likely to come back. Um, he was here a few weeks ago. So I think you'll have a lot of the top commits that are there. And, and I think you'll have some big names that are uncommitted, both 2025 and 2024. 20, uh, I think you know, guy like four-star wide receiver Jamie French is a possibility from Jacksonville Manor. He's a teammate of Jamel Jones, the quarterback that's committed to FSU, three-star. Um, so I think uh, there's going to be several names that I'm eyeing. Obviously, we'll we'll get the list as we go on this week. I'll probably post that around Tuesday. Um, we'll get the expected guys that are coming from our FSU Intel side of things of of just confirming of the total list. But I think there's going to be some some big names going to be pretty loaded. I think uh, I think FSU fans are going to be pretty excited about yeah. I think the type of talent that's that's going to be coming in. I think a lot of it will be 2025 because you got to there be some in there 2024. But I think you got to expect that. There's not a lot of room for movement. You're talking about maybe five guys that you can add in the class to finish it off. But I think a lot of it will be 2025, but I think it's going to be some damn good ones. Uh, you know, damn good uh, 2025 guys and some mixed in 2024. So um, I think it's a big weekend, uh, especially for it being a night game that uh, I think FSU wants to, you know, make a statement of, of where they're at as a program against the, you know, the rest of the nation. Yeah, it's wild, man, because we've been, kind of reconditioned now to think that, you know, this incoming recruiting class, like the 24 class is pretty much all said and done. But I mean, you're pointing out the fact that perhaps a guy like Jordan yep. Seaton could be on campus for 24. Jamari Howard uh, yep. can also be on campus. That's, that's great because these are guys that you could possibly add to your roster here in the next, like, you know, 45 days or so with the way the calendar works out that early signing period. Has Seaton been on campus before? Yeah, he went here in the spring. He visited, I want to say around March or, or around that time. Visit um, and 
you got a feel for kind of what they do in practice. I uh, really liked it. But I think really it started surging a little bit with FSU a little more once the kind of the season started, that LSU win. Then, then once they got the Clemson win, then it started getting kind of more serious where he was, you know, talking to them more. Um, there, there's several schools involved. Florida's area involved. Alabama's the leader that we hear in, in, in the, in the race. But I think FSU is certainly a school that's on his mind. I think he visited Colorado as well. Um, so um, I think there's several schools involved, but um, certainly FSU is a team that, you know, he's always really been intrigued with uh, Coach Atkinson uh, or Coach Atkins, excuse me. And and so there's there's a lot of excitement uh, building around FSU. And he's not alone where it's just guys that haven't visited. I mean, there's been guys that have been mentioned to me that, you know, I'm not ready willing to mention until I get it, see it set in stone that they've confirmed with me. But, you know, there could be some new names on there that 24. Yeah, 2024 that I haven't talked about. They're either committed somewhere or they haven't committed yet that they're come back and they're going to check FSU out in this game. So that's just something to, you know, to keep an eye on. But um, once I get confirmation on, you know, a lot of these visitors and I will certainly um, we're certainly going to pop it up and and break it down uh, throughout this week. We'll have, you know, I'll have a big preview like I always do for these big games uh, for the guys that are coming and and what to watch. But uh, I think it's going to be a pivotal weekend for FSU to, not just show it on the field, but also, you know, make a big impression to uh, either the now of the recruits in 2024 and then the future of, you know, kind of where they're going. And, and we'll kind of be able to tell, like, the pulse of of recruiting of of where these recruits feel about F, where FSU is going. And just the, I mean, is it is it a top five thing or is it like they feel like FSU is the team, you know, national champion type team that they're the guy. So, It'll be interesting to see just kind of the takeaway from recruits and and see if they can get some, a few commits maybe for 2024 or 2025 from this weekend. Keeping you longer than I promised. I'm sorry, okay. uh, Michael. Get you out on this one, though. As we record this and talk, we're five days away. As you're, you folks are listening to this, we'll be four days away, I think, right, from LJ McCray, right. uh, the standout lineman uh, from Daytona Beach making his announcement. I know as the week goes on and we get closer to that date, you'll have more information. Right, right. As we sit here and talk about it, how do you feel about Florida State's chances? Uh, to land a, a one-time, you know, you know, heavy lean, we thought, to the Gators. Uh, 6'5", 275, uh, defensive lineman out of Mainland. Yeah, he's probably like more like 6'5", 270 um, now. Um, he is massive. Um, looks great. Um, I feel a lot better than I did you know, even when I went to my visit a few weeks ago and I I uh, stopped by the school with LJ. It felt good that that was going into his official visit weekend. And then after the official visit weekend at FSU, I started to hear a lot more momentum, um, you know, creating and building uh, with FSU compared to what I've been hearing, you know, even before the visit or even, um, you know, um, certainly before that, uh, you know, I thought like, you know, Florida, Georgia with the teams I've heard now, it's like you hear, it's very, it feels very confident in saying like FSU, Florida type of, of battle. And it's close. Um, it's not just like, well, you know, Florida's the team mentioned. It's like, I hear more excitement uh, around Florida state when it comes to that area, but it's, it's really close. He's keep, he's kept things really close to the vest. He doesn't share a lot, but the, the confidence has certainly had, has picked up based on the intel I've got, you know, around the FSU side. And then, and then Florida, I think, sustained that they feel like their sustainability of of confidence that hasn't changed much yet um but i think obviously that will change for 
one of those sides as this week goes on. I'd probably say, you know, around Wednesday or Thursday, I think we'll start, you'll start to kind of see the tea leaves of how this could be uh, developing. But uh, like I said, he, their camp is keeping it very quiet. Um, there's not a lot of uh, chitter chatter, but there is, you know, still the confidence that's sustained from both sides. But I do think I will be surprised if it's, if it's not one of Florida, Florida state, Georgia will be a mild surprise, but still, I think uh, those two teams are the ones that I hear the most frequent buzz around is F- with McCray is FSU in Florida. And, and to me, I've said this all year or most of the year, uh, McCray to me would kind of really almost make your class close to complete um, if you add a guy like that, because that's a premier defensive lineman that can just uh, dominate in so many ways. So you have a dominant lineman, you have some dominant DBs, and then you also have some really good uh, receivers that you have already coming in. The only thing left is maybe so add some linebackers and maybe edge guy here and there. But I think, I think he'd really get that class closer to complete of where they want it. If you add a guy like McCray. I lied last. I mean, Michael, this is crazy. I, I don't know if I've ever seen such disparate opinions on a player. LJ McCray is not a five-star consensus. He's, He's five-star on on three. We've got him ranked as the number eight overall player in the entire nation for 24. Right. A 247 has got him at number six. Meanwhile, ESPN 293, 293rd, <laughs> rivals 249. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make you say, like, which which part of that do you fall on? But, like, how, have they not looked at his film lately? Has he gotten bigger that, that that's shot him up the, the charts on our side? Uh, that's crazy. I mean, have you ever seen anything that big of a gap in terms of opinion on a kid? I've seen, I've seen bigger gaps, but I, I I think there is a disparity where some people have seen him more frequently than others. Certainly on three has seen him in person several times and the other outlets have as well. I think FSU are, are just on threes done a lot of just, you know, I think his added on size has really, um, really made him a lot more versatile and, and more uh, attractive prospect because he's six five two seventy. You can put him inside, you can put him outside. He's a guy that I, I I think very similar to what I saw out of Leonard Williams out of high school. He does a lot of the same things that Leonard Williams does, where you could play Leonard inside, you can play him outside, and so there's a lot more intrigue of of his explosibility as a player. And two, back then I think a year ago when most of these rankings, you know, all of them had him as a four star. I think um, you know he was a good he was a good edge guy, but now he's like a great one. But he's also now a more complete guy against the run. Uh, much more physical, gets off blocks better, has learned more technique as a pass rusher. And I think that's why we see a balloon of, you know, certain outlets having him as like a five-star, like on three. On three was the first, you know, network to have him as a five-star before anybody. And then uh, I think a few others are starting to get close to that to follow suit. But I think, you know, on three's been on that for a while. And I think that's why is the development is game. All right. I told Michael it'd be about 10 minutes. We went 20 minutes. So <laughs> okay. uh, at the thumbs up. So Michael's time was so well worth it. Michael, man, we uh, appreciate the time as always, and especially the information, man. Thank you. Anytime. All right. That's a wrap for us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow per usual. We'll have a live show Thursday, six o'clock. Uh, that'll be your Friday podcast. Thursday's podcast will be none other than the Renegade Express taking all your questions. We'll have a thread over on the tribal council. Uh, so get involved over there. And then tomorrow's show, again, we'll have Stephen Wiseman giving us some more insight into the Duke program uh, and some practice observations as well. So we got you covered. Jeff Cameron's show will be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But later today, 1 to 3 o'clock, 
Seminal Headlines, yeah. Register Sausage, mm. Birch Orthodontics, uh, support the programs. Uh, Corey will be there with Ira and Jeff doing the darn thing. Hopefully so. feeling a little better. Yeah, feel good. Ginger ale, applesauce, plain yogurt, Corey, saltine crackers. I got the applesauce and the crackers. Okay, I Steph- got that. Stephanie will be over soon, I'm sure, to take care of you. So you're, you'll well, be in good she did. No, she's out of town. Oh. She actually was uh, She was actually going dress shopping with my mom, my sister, and oh. her daughter. Oh, it's um, happening, so was, man. It's happening. That was very sweet. Uh, but she did Instacart me some stuff. Oh. Because she's, uh, you know, she takes care of me. God bless her. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in then. Hit the thumbs up on the way out, folks. That'd be really cool. Maybe leave a five-star rating and review as well. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up War Chant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.